The Shakytown Radio Hour is on the air. I'm Gene George. I am Brody Foster Hubbard, and welcome to year two of the podcast. I, I again, I say this well, again, again to you and new to the people on the blue microphone that I'm speaking into. I think it's a continuum. Yes. This is an artificial. We do not need to stick to this artificial cycle of podcast. But can we not celebrate our happy birthday or it, anniversary? I think it's a milestone. Okay. I think it's a milestone, but I don't think we need an arbitrary division. Fair enough. Bring our guests. So, here's what we are doing today, everybody. It's a, um, it's, it's our one-year birthday anniversary, and I have a man in my life, he's very dear to me, not Gene. I'm not I, your I, I at hate all. Gene. This is a professional relationship only. That's right. Um, but he's been in my life for many, many occasions, which we'll, we may or may not talk about on mic today. <laughs> um, he is a writer, a producer. Producer, <laughs> <laughs> whatever, dude. <laughs> comedian, prankster, legend, Bob Schreiner. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for that uh, very uh, flattering introduction. You're welcome. I think it's well earned. Um, so how long have you guys known each other? Um, 20 years, I 15 years. Don't exactly, I don't recall the year exactly, but I know that Brody was 15 and he came into the record store I was working in. And I just saw, I remember it like it was yesterday, but he was hanging out with his other kids and it became apparent to me that he was one of those kids that he didn't have a car so and he probably lived somewhere where culture wasn't as pervasive so he was with kids that had a car at the record store one of the key indicators as I recall was the corn t-shirt of his friend and how he didn't seem to be so attached to them now he, I, he was such a hick that that, that that kid had a corn t-shirt and it was spelled C-O-R-N right <laughs> So in a moment of, you know, like I think if you work in the record store, like you're sort of a, you're a guardian angel of aesthetics to some degree. So I saw the moment to intervene and I went over to 15-year-old Brody Hubbard and uh, pulled out a Minor Threat discography CD, took it out of the case and said, here, this is yours. It's on me. If you like it, come get more music. And what the fuck did I do? (laughs) (laughs) Was there an angelic choir when you pressed it into your hand? There was. Hmm. There was. (laughs) A a column of light. Led by Ian McKay. Ian McKay. Bob Schreiner. McKay or McKay, your call. McKay. There you go. All right. So, Bob, you uh, and I are both in Los Angeles now, uh, as is Gene George. (laughs) Well, thanks for setting the stage, Brody. As is presumably the audience. We're actually recording today from um, (laughs) what I'm calling the Shaky Town Headquarters. I'm you go dubbing right it now because the you go right ahead. the hard drive that our show lives on lives here. That's so. fair. I don't care. Okay. I got no. I got no horse in this race. All right. Um. So you let's talk about your your comedy career because it, it kind of has taken an, an interesting route. It started with audio, went to print, is now <laughs> on the stage. So wait a minute. Right. So it started in audio, a a, a moribund. <laughs> a moribund uh, segment of media. It went to print an even more moribund segment of the media. What's next? Are you going to be a town crier? I would love to. Wouldn't that uh, be awesome? 
and and not to be you know not to split hairs, but I mean I guess I would really say like comedy for me was something that I never really approached with a medium. I think I really sort of found comedy in like mischief and pranks right so it really was a while before like a particular medium sort of came to me and was like can you do this that's true can you put this down for us yeah and I mean because yeah we we should address the fact that before there was the actual comedy is that person I was just seeing somebody walking I don't know if that's a a drop in (laughs) I think it is Gene you can um, address that question I'll just Sit here then. <laughs> it, it might be a, a service man. <laughs> one of our one of our men and women in uniform. God bless them. Right. Coast Guard is stopping by. <laughs> anyway, prick, pre continue. <laughs> so you just so it's it, you just did made comedy however you found. Well, I lived in Phoenix, so it was like you know I would always I was always funny and always you know very good in the moment and spontaneous and quick and. You know, I would always have those people tell me, like, oh, you should do, you should really do right. comedy. But when you live in Phoenix, it's like, where do I go do comedy? It's like, I mean... Out in front of the Smith's Food King. It's, you know, I mean, Phoenix is a place that it's, like, it's... They could have a factory just grooming and raising, like, boat comics. But, you know, in terms of, like, a guy like me, like, I'm a pretty <laughs> subversive guy. And, you know, like, the, I didn't really see... the to, You know, to me, the odd venue was just where you took it, which was usually, like, the record store I worked in, or just, you know, where, you know, wherever you hold court, and, and that kind of became this very informal, but sort of uh, expected venue of people, you know, so it was kind of an interesting... Yeah, so you just, you just, you know, managed to... Now, now, from, from what, uh, from what Brody's talked about, it seems like there, there came to be a comedy scene... In, in Phoenix later on, mm-hmm. um, were you there for that, or did you had you already hired uh, out for greener pastures? I was I was there for that, and I was it was kind of a busy time for me as I was you know school and working and right. you know into girlfriends and such. Uh, and then I moved here just oh, that life time thing. that yeah. yeah all those other things. <laughs> so yeah, I was there, kind of there for the start of, of comedy in Phoenix, which was really you know it was it was great to just sort of see this. You know, homegrown and sort of independent, you know, thing with kids. Just you know, much like punk rock, like just finding right. venues wherever the fuck you can, and just making it work. You know, sort of a great thing to see people take the initiative in. And I'll tip the hat to Ryan McKee and Ron Babcock for doing that. That's right. Yeah, Ron and Ryan did really spearhead, I think, a lot in, in Phoenix as far as comedy goes. Ron was one of our first guests on this show, and is I would definitely credit them. For any involvement, any connection I have, as tenuous as it might be, to the comedy world. Um, well, it's certainly not because you're funny. <laughs> no, no. We've established that on a weekly basis. Um, so, anyway. <laughs> oh. Nothing better than smacking down Brody. <laughs> a year of this, huh? Yeah, a whole year. So this, the time has flown. Yeah. Anyway. Uh... So did you have a follow-up to the question that you abandoned and left me too? <laughs> what was my question? I don't know. <laughs> we were talking about comedy and, and, and right. the roundabout way that Bob got into comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you're talking about some subversiveness and pranks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. 
can we uh, touch upon some of the most famous? Uh, sure, you can touch anything you'd like. Yes! Okay, and so, <laughs> you guys... <laughs> um, we, uh, I, I guess, uh, the one I always think of is <laughs> Ronald McDonald. Yeah. Uh, uh, it ended up in the papers. I'll, I'll let you explain it. Gosh, where to start this without too much backstory? Uh, but basically, my me and you know a, a handful of other friends were just just driving around one stiflingly bored summer night, and we were really pretty inventive kids. So we always found fun, whether it was making you know bands or shows or things or just something, but. This night was cripplingly dull, and and we were just driving around endlessly. And it was like the fourth time we had driven by this um, McDonald's on the on the corner of McKellips and Mesa Drive in Mesa, Arizona, and saw this statue. And something just snapped. It was like, let's go steal that. <laughs> let's steal that and just see what we can do with it. Maybe cut him into smaller pieces and throw him through the windows of rival fast food company. Um, Restaurants, or who knows? But it's like once, but you just gotta get them because better ideas come once you're committed to the felony, right? You know, when you're just driving around thinking about it, you don't have the fucking Einstein. But when it's in the back of your car, we gotta do something with this. Yeah, you get creative fast. Uh, we took him back to a friend's house. The the only you know, we all lived with our parents at the time. We were like you know seventeen, eighteen. And uh, our friend Jake was, his parents had just left town so that we knew that was like the one home we could take it to. And we had broken Ronald in transport. We dropped him and his head and his foot and his hand had broken off. So Was, he, was it fiberglass? Or was it? it was an odd like composite. It was heavy. Okay. It was heavy. Like you'd probably rather lift me, but I'm more cooperative. <laughs> um, but we were probably of comparable weight. Um and, but yeah, once we had broken him, it was like, well, we're going. You know, we're, it's fucking county fair now because there's no giving it back. You know, we can't just we can't just return this. And you know, right. after two weeks of having fun with a, you know, some band aids and some tape and a sorry note, so we <laughs> took it home to to our friend Jake's house, and it dawned on us after you know a little bit to just start. We we were I was a really big sort of enthusiast at the time of media pranks of just making things happen that were not real that the media would go and report on um, one of them was this um, like satanic skinhead group called Skins for Satan <laughs> that would vandalize I used the term vandalize with rabbit ears but they would write in like basically like finger paint fake blood on Planned Parenthood windows and one second. anyone who you know anyone who had to respond to it knew that hot water and a paper towel would wash it off. Right, 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 right. So really there's no damage and all right. of the messages we had were completely non-threatening right. just absurd and they always made the paper you know like anyway it was always you know, it was whatever we wrote and then skins for Satan like a you know like like an ad agency. Yeah you gotta tag it. Yeah like sure. Delta we love to fly in it shows. <laughs> Get your message out. You so, but every time this had happened, it made the papers. Or every time, you know, we would just call the press, you know, like local newspaper, or radio, or TV, and just report some happening that you knew had enough of a little, little hook where they're like, right. oh, that's a story. 
then they go down and you know either report on it or try to report on it or make something up because they have because they're jerks. Yeah, just because you know, and it, it, it all just it, I guess the earliest roots were like just seeing those you know being punk rock and just seeing those things on the news of like this is what your children are doing at punk rock clubs across the country. And of course, they find like you know, like the stupidest kid in the audience and ask him what he thinks it's about, and and it was you know it just planted that seed of like oh these people are fucking rubes and like if you just give them something that they want to talk about like satanic skinheads or anything to or talk vegetarian about. terrorists like anything yeah. they can just put in yeah. bold bold font and fucking sell papers, it's gonna work. So that was sort of this you know this there was this kind of ongoing love affair of just getting the media to chase its tail like that so as we're looking at Ronald McDonald like fuck you know this is a household name so we began calling uh, you know just every media outlet we could radio print television and told them that our vegetarian terrorist syndicate Butch Cassidy and the Dolomites were operating (laughs) on a nationwide scale and going to replicate our crime if McDonald's hadn't implemented certain menu changes accommodate to the healthier eater and you know this is just I mean at this time you know I had years of my life at that point even as, as a teen of just just non-stop mischief and like we right, didn't right. wait for punchlines because we kind of knew what they were so you would just go fuck something else up and and on and on so you know four or five six o'clock in the morning rolls around and we have to sleep so you know, a little while later, I wake up and you know, turn on the TV at my friend's house, and it's CNN, and they are showing an empty bench in front of a McDonald's playland in Mesa, Arizona, is in the caption below it. So, so made it, it was made the, kind of a, the cable. Wow! Holy crap! Didn't really think six hours later this was going to be <laughs> global, and and from there it just you know we of course you know we just had a field day with it. You know, we called the press and you know, we'd leave, you know, parts where we would report where, you know, we, the hand broke off so we'd tell them where the hand was. No, nice. go find nice, it. Nice, nice. You know, Did you wipe like it that. down so your prints weren't on it? No, I didn't oh, care. <laughs> See, this, this sort of thing just could not happen today because of caller ID and all that stuff. But it can though. I don't want to, I don't want anyone out there to be discouraged from prank calling okay. because A, you can start 6-7, you can block the call or B, you can just have balls and have people call you back when you prank call them. What are they going to say? You just prank, do you just call me? Yeah. <laughs> that's usually where the conversation ends because that's as far as they thought it through. <laughs> right, 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 right. The that's next they may say, you're a dick or why did you do that? Which the answer is because I'm a dick. But I think, you know. <laughs> you know why. You got it. You just got to keep <laughs> You calling. know why I did it. <laughs> yeah, but I think, yeah, I don't, I, I just, not to be, you know, contrarian, but I would just. Well, but I mean, I think something like that that gets picked up by a national media outlet could lead to severe consequences right, if right. you get, I mean, especially in this environment where if you use, you use the word terrorist organization, you right. may get shit hammered, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just wouldn't want to have like you have some you know repurposed armored fighting vehicle knocking down my door. Right. But you do because someone that. else's door. If it was my parents' door, I would be I'd probably be alright. Well, and that's the thing. That's the thing about you know. You may say you don't want the police at your door or the or the armored personnel carrier at your door for for what you you know, your mischief, but you really do because adjudication is the finest articulation of the punchline. <laughs> Fair enough. 
Fair enough. So CNN picks up the story, and then what happens? Um, it's there's da- there's updates on it daily. Sure. And you're local media too. Well, so at we CNN, can, there's probably updates on it. Well, the, the same update every the, the, thirty five minutes. Right. The local media was was most uh, amazing because they you know they have a little more time and it's local and they know people care. But there was a time where one of the one of the local stations had a when they first reported it. They had the scene like Mesa police lead us to a grisly crime scene, and they showed a really wide angle shot of this empty bench in a McDonald's playland, dubbed in. I kid you not, the stabbing sound in the shower scene of Psycho. The reed, reed, and with every the camera cut in like a little more until it's just a close up on an empty bench, which I don't know. How like I mean a grizzly crime scene is certainly a subjective term, but <laughs> grizzly usually implies some sort of I don't know blood or guts, yeah, or at least a we've bear. determined that he's made. <laughs> yeah, he, we've determined that, that Ronald McDonald's made of some sort of composite, <laughs> possibly a fiberglass, possibly a plaster, but but uh, he was really humanized in this in this kind of experience right. because people would, of course, the you know the press would send like these t- camera teams out to talk to the guy on the street. And they, you know, they would find some like sixty-year-old man who, you know, just, worked his whole life in a cable factory. This is a tragedy. And uh, you know, they're like, "What do you think about this?" He's like, "They had to string them up like they did Ronald, burn them in the desert, because we had taken the headless body and set it on fire in the desert, which we didn't know at the time, but because it was on an Indian reservation, involved the SB, the FBI as an yeah, yeah. investigating party." Yeah. Um, Holy crap! So you know, national. See so the profilers. The profilers there. <laughs> Trying to so, figure out yeah, what kind of terrorist organization they were dealing with. But the local media was amazing. Like they, they sent a, you know, they would just interview these people on the streets. They sent this team to our, uh, you know, our co-op, and uh, this girl with a shaved head. You know, Sinead O'Connor is very popular in this era. But a girl with a shaved head gets right up into the camera with an angry finger pointing and says, "You suits don't understand, man. Radical times call for radical action." And gives the you know the shaking angry fist right into nice. the camera like <laughs> like only a, a chick with a shaved head can right. do. <laughs> but so it was just amazing to see. And you know at the time, I was a vegetarian, so you know, but still just seeing people on you know sort of opposing ends of the spectrum, very like charged about this. You actually made something happen with a, with a, with, a, with kind of a dumb spur of the moment thing, right? Which is awesome. Which is really really awesome. Yeah, it's felonious. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you guys ever get caught? Did you ever step forward? Or, I mean, did, um, what was the denouement? God, the story has so many little 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 sidebars to it. We were, interestingly enough, a radio station that I had happened upon through my doings was um, kind of abandoned. The station was moving, and my friends and I, like, we had copies of the keys made that was left in the mailbox. Went back and had a huge party there place got pretty well destroyed and this was a year later the same radio station that owns this building no no tie-in how could they know they offered a $500 reward for what we had done and if you had known like if you lived where we lived in the time that we lived and you saw that on the news you knew it was us right 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 like it was just obvious to so many people so (laughs) and we weren't at all shy or discreet about it so word got around and this um brother and sister that went to our high school with us had turned us in for the $500 reward. Sweet. So, changing their lives somewhat <laughs> drastically after that. Because, um, you know, if you have, like, a really rich, like, media 
heavy prank that everybody thinks is hilarious and fun. Everybody wants to get involved in that. Right, right, right. But once you're arrested, you can't really invite anyone else to the party. But then the party becomes um, harassing the people who told on you. So a lot of people got involved <laughs> in the prank after that. And it was for years, people would call, come and be like, oh, man, I saw that, that, that fucking Heather bitch just fucking threw a Slurpee on her. <laughs> oh, nice. Thanks. So pariahs, they became pariahs. Yeah, yeah, they nice. were. Yeah, for years. 500 pieces of silver, so, Judas. You know, and for me, it's like, you know, there's always that notion of betrayal where it's like, really? Why did you, really? Why? But, but I get it. I mean, at the same time, but, you know, going through that whole process, you know, going to, I was actually, I was working at a supermarket at the time and, and a, f- a friend of mine called it my soon-to-be co-defendant <laughs> and said, hey, um, Jake and Jason just got arrested and they're looking for you guys. So I call my other partner in crime, uh, Frank Tennant Jr., who has been my co-defendant on many other occasions. A.K.A. <laughs> John Doe pranks, number two. <laughs> pranks that more than tickled the boundaries of what was lawful. And uh, I tell him, I'm like, round everybody up and, and get them together in a place where none of our parents live so they can't find us. We'll all go in together and turn ourselves in. But in the meantime, call every press outlet you can because we want the camera. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we, you know, we... I get arrested at the supermarket. I'm working in five minutes before I leave. The cops are completely cool. Like, they're making mick jokes with me. And they weren't the officers investigating the crime, so they were, like, loving the fact that the guys who wore had, like, two weeks of torment as, like, radio stations from New Jersey called them, asking them for updates. <laughs> the FBI. Surely their boss did as well. <laughs> so, from there, it became this sort of hilarious process of, of dealing with the courts and like criminal psychologists. <laughs> it was really, I mean, much as society as a whole, it was kind of a polarizing event of like, I like wholesome and good and fried, so fuck these kids, or, you know, yay, subversive, go anarchy. Um, See, anyone, I'm in the middle of what really is this crime? It's some kids stealing a thing. It, it, you know, however, whatever, I'm sure you know how much, exactly how much he cost to replace. $3,684. So, so four grand worth of Ronald McDonald. And worth every penny. Oh, yeah, sure. No, it, it's, I, I imagine. But that's the thing is ultimately it's neither, you know, a subversive act nor, you know, the gutting of Americana. Sure. It's just some kids stealing. When you think about it, like, like if somebody stole, like if somebody stole like your 1994 Mazda Miata. Right. Imagine that just being right. like, holy fuck, CNN, stop. Stop what you're doing. Stop recording Syria. <laughs> right, right. They're, are they reporting Syria? This guy actually had some suntan lotion in there, too. <laughs> the fuck is this country did he have come those, to? Did he have those glasses with little little straps on the side to keep the glare out? Because <laughs> that's the important thing. That's the buried lead in the story. <laughs> awesome. So, you did your, did your time? Uh, there was no time. I had a... I had gone, well, I basically told my, um, my, I was broke. I was, you know, I didn't have resources. Uh, thankfully, because there was a potential for jail involved in my sentence, the county provided competent legal services for me at no charge. So introduced How amused were Lyle Spillman, 86-year-old public defender. <laughs> he decided to go, I had to go a clear, do a clear stare on him. <laughs> and working for the public, which is like, if you don't know, like how, like, 
the law sort of thing works. Like that's kind of where a lot of people get. That's kind of a first job. <laughs> um, and he passed the bar at like seventy something. Oh, nice. Just had some time on his hands. And at one point, like people, you know, people always want to relate to you. Like if 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 the the guy who wants you to be Christian sees you and he thinks, man, this guy needs to be Christian. I'm going to tell him how I used to be into heroin and how I used to break into cars to get money for it. So people, there's always that, that, that need to relate. Right, right. Lyle Spillman took me aside, public defender, 86 years old, takes me aside and says, you know, this, this little escapade you guys did, it kind of reminded me when I was young. I lived in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which as you men know, may, is Amish country. And our neighbors had a cart. And, uh, <laughs> we took this cart out and we were pulling it on the road. And, uh, and it was, I mean, we, and it was, we were just laughing. And a car came and we couldn't get this thing off the road because of the guardrail. So we just ran. And the car smashed this cart into, just into splinters. Boy, were we scared. <laughs> wow <laughs> and that felt really good to hear that because even though to know like they're for an 86 year old man like you could sort of like reconnect him with his spirit of like this is the one to like I'm with you and this is the this is the time I fucked the most things up <laughs> yeah, so full on cart well I think cart kindling initially I might have been somewhat like dismissive of like the raw fucking anarchy of teen Lyle Spillman tearing it up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Like, in it was just kind of 1938 nice. or whatever right. year it was. When the Hoover Dam was a fantasy. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, at least it wasn't like, you know, we used to go <laughs> stab hobos or kill immigrants. <laughs> uh, wow. Holy moly. It's <laughs> uh, pretty awesome, though. Yeah. This piece of music is a composition by Armando Troviole. I'm probably massacring this I'm from a movie called Long Day's Adventure. It's a so-called spaghetti western. And this piece of music was repurposed by Quentin Tarantino for the Kill Bill movies. You can find us on the internet at shakytownradio.com. You can Twitter us at at shakytownradio. You can like us on Facebook at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash shakytownradio. Send us an email at shakytownradio at gmail.com or call us on the Shakytown Radio hotline at 626-66-SHAKE. That's 667-4253. That's the same number. We're going to talk more to Bob about um, a fast food restaurant involved, another fast food restaurant involved prank, um, one that caught the attention of uh, the... um, Founders of Chunklet Magazine, and that eventually led to your uh, Chunklet contributions, which we'll talk about. Um, but as part of uh, the special year one end slash year two beginning anniversary birthday extravaganza, we which have is, some. Uh, it's a continuum. It's a continuum. There is no arbitrary delineation between the year one and year two. We have a, a, a surprise drop in to tell you about an event coming up here in Los Angeles, California. Um, now there's two ways I could introduce you. <laughs> How's that? There's your moniker. Try both. Sure, sure. And then there's your. You can always bleep it out later. Your legal name, your born <laughs> name. Legal name, sure. Um, I I know I knew you originally as a uh, the ladies know we have here Google School. Hello everybody. From everythingisterrible.com. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for joining us. Um, Thank you. Let's let's talk about that first. 
Should we call you Ghoul or Mr. School yeah, or Dimitri? Call me Dimitri, Ghoul School, whatever. Whatever um, makes you feel comfortable. I don't know, is it a secret? I didn't realize that was a is secret. Is it a secret? Not really. Okay. It's, you uh, know, Dimitri also, also um, has wonderful work on valianteffort.com. Valianteffort.net, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so many, I was really um, excited to find all the awesome things you've done um, as far as clips and, uh, well, I mean, you're, let me, let's talk first of all, though, about the, the fest coming up. Sure. Um, this is at... This is at the Cine Family. Cine Family, right. A lot of people know it as the silent movie theater, but mm-hmm. don't call it that. Don't ever call <laughs> it that. They get very upset. Do they? They do. No. Even though, even though, the sign outside, big neon letters. Silent movie theater. Silent movie theater. It does say that. <laughs> I was going to say that you really so, oughtn't, uh, you oughtn't to have that on the marquee. Brings up many an if argument. If that makes you <laughs> nervous <laughs> having yeah, people call exactly. it. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, our fest is coming up July, or June 30th yeah. to July 4th. It is the most epic thing I think I've ever done, and I'm very, very nervous about it. Yeah. I'm freaking out about it. Your second annual event. Everything um, is festival. Yeah, we, it's being headlined by Andrew W.K., Neil Hamburger. I understand he likes to party. Yes. He does. He's actually giving a lecture on no. partying. He's not performing. He's, he's doing a lecture. He's a party advocate. Yes, yes, which I cannot wait for. I don't know if you guys have seen any of that stuff that he's done. I'm like, it's on YouTube, I think. Yeah. I've heard, only heard tell. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I've only, yeah, I've only right. seen clips, but apparently you walk out of there like you want to take on the world. It's, oh, oh my. Um, come in. Another special guest. Come on in. That's okay. Ladies and gentlemen, another drop-in on the podcast today, my neighbor. <laughs> I just need a phone number of your, the fellow who did your breaks. Oh, I, yes. Okay, I'm sorry for disrupting. No, no, okay. no, 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 no. Apparently, we are. We, we need a phone number of the guy um, <laughs> that did you breaks. You know, working into the show. Pull a plug. Maybe, hey, yeah, was he good? Did he, he, was really he did a great good. job? What's his yeah, name? Yeah. Let's uh, throw a plug. What is it? Samurai Auto. So does you, okay? That's really what it's called, Samurai Auto. I'm going on, Brody. He could be lying to his teeth. I love that. <laughs> do they specialize in uh, in Japanese cars? Nope. Yes, they do, actually. Nope, just like Samurais. You know what? I'm thinking Just a fan of arterial blood spray. Say bye, Helen. Bye, Helen. Bye. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you, Helen. <laughs> um, Helen, I want to say, is the most awesome neighbor because it doesn't matter how loud we get. Uh, her and her dogs upstairs are much louder. So <laughs> I was gonna say she doesn't care. We're all no, good. no, they're just they just match you. Yeah, yeah, nice. we're all good. They're nice. Um, so this make me wonder so for folks how who, loud you get. <laughs> exactly. So for folks who don't know what every, everything is terrible sure. is, uh, it, it's found footage. It is a it is a, a, a collective of, of uh, there's there's seven of us total, uh, and we are a found footage, uh, I guess collective you call us, and we basically just we we scour the. You know, there's stores and, and, and internet and blah, 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 of all these different VHS tapes and uh, make them into something, you know, try to make it into something crazy and yeah. fun. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been pretty It's been pretty wild. We've been doing it for about, I think, three, three and a half years now or so, something like that. And, um, yeah, we had a little bit of time off. We thought we'd kind of take a year off for at least a little while. It's not really happening. But we thought in this, mean, you know, in the meantime, let's... I want something to do with all our friends. I want to like bring all these people that are influenced by because I think a lot of people think of the f- as, of the site as being very negative, being that the fact that it's called everything it's is terrible. terrible. But then they don't read the the. Code they don't out. read the exactly. Yeah. That's what I keep saying. <clears throat> everything is terrible. Nothing is. Yeah. So, uh, really, that's why we're so excited about Andrew WK because I was like, 
I don't know if he knows who we are. Like, it's going to sound so negative. He's going to be freaked out. But I was just like, you don't understand how much I'm influenced by you, how, like, your positivity is such a, you know, big, big part of my life. So, um, and he was totally on board. He was like, this sounds amazing. He was one of our last guests, actually, to get. I was kind of nervous to ask him, but uh, it was great. It just worked out great. I just, I still can't believe the the lineup, which I'm trying to. Yeah, I have it up here. Neil Hamburger. Neil Hamburger. He'll be doing, we're trying to make every show like its own thing. Like, I'd right, like right. you know, we, we, we had on Neil Hamburger, like we could have him just do stand-up, but we were like, well, you know, why don't you do something that you're not used to doing? Yeah. So he is, and Suki, you might be able to help me with this. Dora. Yeah, he is, he is, he's doing a lecture on this woman, Dora Hall, that honestly, I wish I could give you more information about because I don't know that much about her. Is there anything you, like, the story is fascinating. Two, I'm just no minutes. expert. She's a... Um, Come on the come, mic. Come, yeah, come, come, Ladies and gentlemen, join us, another guest dropping in on us today. Um, I don't have all the information, but from what I understand, she was this woman who had some had a lot of financial freedom, and so I uh, basically recorded all of these albums and videos uh, of original songs, and it's they've all just been it's there's. Hundreds of them, I guess, and they've been buried. Yeah, the undisputed queen of vanity entertainment. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so she's self-published. Solo Cup Company. Yeah. Is that what it is? Oh, that's it. So basically, yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Exactly. The red cups that all Sunday school and whatever. Well, I was thinking more keggers, but I was. Oh, that's right. Of course, like exactly. I'm thinking that this is this is the weird Ouroboros of. You know, kids at keggers listening to crappy vanity recordings <laughs> buying more solo cups, right. giving her more money to make more vanity recordings. But uh, Neil Hamburger is the world's leading expert yes. on yeah. Dora Hall, and he runs the website, so he's going to do a presentation. <laughs> right. And it's just good. Bob, you, you, did you work with Neil at some point? I haven't worked with him, but I mean, I remember, well, he's still in Phoenix. Yeah. For years and years and years yeah. ago. Yeah, Neil used to do these great shows at uh, Phoenix Greyhound Park. Right, with that, with his band, uh, what was the name of his? He had a few bands back then. This was as Neil Hamburger. Or yeah, was it as, as oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, Wait a minute, are you saying Neil Hamburger's a stage persona? What? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a second. Time out. Here. You heard it here first. Shaky time exclusive. <laughs> Hold on here. Um, yeah, yeah. I think you need to back that up with some facts. <laughs> it's just funny because if you watch the uh, DVD that um, Escalante Kung Fu Records put out of. Um, of Neil Hamburger at the Greyhound, you can see a bunch of friends of Bob and I. Oh, I've never seen that. Yeah, oh, I funny. have it. I may I'll lend it to you actually. Um, <laughs> like Andrew Ramsey, the famous Andrew Ramsey, oh, yeah. storming out of the lounge area. Um, so was he yeah. offended by something? No, he was just being an, uh, a loud jerk. <laughs> That's Andrew. Uh, let's see. I, I, I see TV Carnage listed here TV now. Carnage. I've always been um, a little confused about. TV Carnage as opposed to Everything is Terrible. Sure. Is it, it's two different entities? It's two different entities. I actually was, when I was like in college, I was a huge fan of, that's actually the other thing is that like a lot of my kind of heroes are on this thing, like Negative Land, uh, Mark Hostler is going to be yeah. there. And between Mark Hostler and TV Carnage, those are like huge influences on us, obviously, for, for Everything is Terrible. And so, yeah, like we, I've been talking to a Pinky for a while over there and I was, you know, helping him submit tapes. I was just like, you know, a little college nerd working at MTV at the time interning just scouring their libraries just giving him stuff and then after a while I was like you know what this is this is so fun why don't I just kind of my friends and I are all oddly into the same thing why don't we all just sort of do our own right. so so you know I mean there's there's definitely a lot of there's definitely a lot of uh, 
uh, uh, Onion AV Club commenters who, who have a lot of opinions <laughs> on who stole what from who, but it's like, no, we're just all into the same thing. Yeah. Us, Found Footage Festival, and them. I mean, I love TV Carnage. That's that's one of my favorite, you know, yeah. uh, things ever. So I'm just, yeah, we're and happy to have him here. You're going to have Rich from 4-4? We are going to have I Rich. I love Rich. I've actually, I know. we've communicated about him being on the show when he's in L.A. Now that he's going to be here. Oh, you should totally have him on. That's you awesome. Him, yeah. yeah. I've actually never, I just spoke to him for the first time recently. He's like the nicest guy. Yeah. He was saying like, oh, I didn't want you guys to think, I don't want you guys to think I was some ripoff or whatever. I thought you guys <laughs> would hate me. I was like, what are you talking about? You're incredible. Are you? He's the master of the supercut. Gene, Bob, are you guys familiar, either of you, with Rich? Yeah, or no, I, I checked out this conversation about 10 minutes ago. Well, you probably, a lot of people actually would know his stuff. Like, he did, no, the I one that he was most famous for was the I'm Not Here to Make Friends supercut. I don't know if you guys have seen that. It's like five, maybe more. I think yeah. it was like five oh, yeah, or yeah, seven yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have actually show. seen that. I have seen that. It was yeah, amazing. yeah, yeah. I'm Not Here to Make Friends. Yeah, yeah. that actually, I do remember but that. But so, I mean, but honestly, so many others. Like, yeah. every time you've seen you know, quote-unquote, a supercut, it's probably that guy. Right. He's a one-man. I found him does it. through his um, blog, his hilarious blogging of uh, recaps of America's Next Top Model, <laughs> where there would be these great stills, uh, and, and Jeff Files as well, of Tyra and the models, and, like, he'd have a count of every instance of crying in the episode. Yes, yes, um, it's amazing. Yeah. He's just, like, a genius. Yeah. So we're so happy to have him on. So what we're going to do is we're kind of, we're sort of, Celebrating what a supercut is, or as we call, uh, there's there's supercuts and trash compactors. We call them trash compactors when you take a movie, what we do, turn it into a little two minute thing. Right, right. And uh, so we're kind of just doing like our favorites. So what he's going to do, he had a great idea. He's going to pick his favorites of ours. We're going to pick our favorites of his, and just kind of, you know, suck each other's dicks for a couple hours. Doing <laughs> bandages. Yeah, doing exactly. Right. Exactly. And, so that'll be great. And also of. Uh, of of Channel 101 community and Sarah oh, Silverman yeah. program fame, Shrab and Harmon. Shrab and Harmon, Shrab and Harmon. We're huge, huge fans. They've yeah, who, who isn't? <laughs> no, seriously. I no, was, yeah. That came, guys... out, that came out sounding kind of bitter. At least in my head, it kind of Yeah, who isn't? Have, have, you guys seen, have you guys been to the Cinefound for the, for the Found Crap shows? Have you guys seen those? No. Yeah. Bob has. You have? Yeah. yeah, those are just so much fun. I cannot believe their collection of stuff. And, like, that's such a weird thing because we. I just saw... When we put out our first DVD, it said one of the first orders, like probably the first 50 orders was Rob Schraub. And I was like, holy <laughs> shit, I got I to gotta like bank on this. So I just like wrote to him like, oh my God, I'm your biggest fan. I was like the biggest scud nerd when I was a kid. You know, I made like little stop motion animations of, of your comics, stuff like that. Please, whatever you need, I can do. And he's been super helpful trying to get us just whether it's like, you know, pilot stuff, giving me advice for that kind of thing, just being in L.A. It's been great. So and his Very found cool. crap is just un. Believable. Those shows are just yeah. Yeah, I've had insane. some friends who've worked with the, the Channel One Hundred One crowd, and they're just awesome guys. They're just the nicest guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. incredible. Yeah. So they'll be, we we feel bad because there's so many shows. Like we're, we're scheduling everyone right now. Mm-hmm. So I think they're on at like two p.m. or something, which kind of <laughs> sucks, but not really. I mean, I think what we want to bring to the festival is that it's like an all day thing. You yeah, know? it's sure, like yeah. I want there to be we're gonna have barbecues. There's gonna be breakfast and stuff like that. Like I want this to be this five day. Mind melting experience where it's, it's gonna just be like, like Woodstock. It's gonna be exactly like Woodstock. Then <laughs> <laughs> I will park my car twenty three miles away. <laughs> where do you see the mud pit they have? <laughs> yeah, wait, Woodstock ninety six or what was it? Woodstock. I think it was ninety eight. Ninety eight. Ninety eight. That's what it was. <laughs> because they called it the summer. It was like. 1916 was the summer of love. 1998 was the summer of hate. I remember being so bitter that I couldn't go to that. I was like about to go with my brother and then seeing 
the mud flying and hearing of all like the sexual assault and I was like yeah maybe maybe it's for the best right right maybe it's a good thing I missed out on this one this isn't my generation this is somebody else's yeah yeah but um was Shana Na there because if they weren't there Shana Na was there I'd like <laughs> <laughs> well you know Grease never dies oh crap so how do folks get um, tickets to this? So tickets are available from cinefamily.org. Okay. They are, it's a pretty good, honestly, I think it's a pretty good deal. Tickets are $90 for the event, but if the you're a, for the whole weekend, yeah, yeah for right. the whole five days. But if you're a member of the Cinefamily, which is very cheap, it's like 25 bucks a month, something like that, mm-hmm. it is actually only $20. Wow. So, uh, you know, it's always something I'm yelling at people about. Cinefamily is like the best deal in town. Especially if you like silent movies. Movie. God damn it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but we're very, very excited. Like a uh, food party. I don't know if you guys know that. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that on IFC. It's something yes. that not enough people have seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yes, we're having have. True Tran out here. Like we are pulling out all the stops. You yeah. got a, lo- a lot of the shows, it's like you might not have heard of it, but just... Trust us. They're going to be amazing. <laughs> you going to have some Conan O'Brien folks Conan there. O'Brien folks. We're trying to get that together now. I'm trying to get Dino. I'm hoping to get guys like Louis C.K. and Bob Odenkirk. I don't think it's going to happen, but, you know, it's worth a try. You never know. If they're listening. Um, and, of course, <laughs> why wouldn't they be? <laughs> and uh, founding members of the Firesign Theater. Yeah, that's actually... I, now, really? do you guys know the Firesign Theater? Yes, I do. Okay, that's funny because, honestly, like I feel like an idiot because I didn't really know much about them. Really? I'd seen their stuff not knowing who they right. were. And people kept saying, Fire, actually, Richard Metzger from uh, Dangerous Minds was the one who got the show together. Yeah, he'll he's be gonna, there. He'll be there. He's going to host the Q&A. And I was honestly like, I don't really, I know, I think I know who they are. And then looking them up, it was like, oh, these guys are, mm-hmm. these guys are pioneers. Yeah. So, it's, it, yeah, yeah. so like, for what we're doing, I, I really always want to do that. Like, with guys like Mark, Mark Hassler, I want to show, like, this kind of stuff has been happening for a very, very long time in the world of oh yeah, whatever you call it, you know. Experimental comedy, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it, it's like this has been happening for a while. I want to bring these guys back, so it's I'm so excited to have that's them. Pretty badass, yeah. That's yeah. pretty badass. That's great. Very awesome. Um, and then just to talk a little about about yourself and your own projects as uh, Dimitri, sure, uh, as opposed to Google School. <laughs> um, where's the line drawn? <laughs> you begin, <laughs> but. Uh, but no, so you do a lot of great well, illustrations. Of portions, it's very, yeah, exactly. You do a lot of great <laughs> illustrations, posters, artwork, everything from um, Gene Garofalo's "If You Will" cover. To, or what was it? As it were. As it were, as, as Gene it were. thought it was called. <laughs> well, I knew it was like it's like a Steven Seagal movie. All right, it's all like, she's eventually gonna do one called "As You Were." Right. Come on. Uh, done a lot of different designs uh, for Nightmare Snowboards. Um, you've done um, for See, different concerts. If you will, is the one where she fights terrorists. As you were, is where the one where she fights a big face. <laughs> That's what it is. Um, some stuff for Cine Family. Cine Family. I've always been doing sub posters for them. That's been great. I love the silent movie. Oh, silent movie. There, I should say. I'm sorry. Yes. My mistake. Silent movie. Um, and of, uh, you know, Buster Keaton artwork and. Uh, you're a producer for the uh, current TV show Info for Family, or Info, in, or Info, sorry, Infomania. Infomania. The fact that you even know you even got part of it right is more than most people. <laughs> it is a channel which most people don't know. Current TV. <laughs> current TV. But that's been great. That's a. Um, it's a started by guys who who started the Daily Show, mm-hmm. and uh, we're we're hanging on. We're hanging in there. Yeah. <laughs> We've been on for about three years now. I've only been there about a year and a half, but it's it's great. You know, we got a lot of great cast members: Aaron Gibson, Brian Soff. You guys should have oh, yeah. these people on. Like, I don't know if you know them, but yeah. Well, I know, I know of them. We are happy for Shaky Town Year Two. <laughs> 
You can't hear me shaking my head in disgust. <laughs> um, I have to put like I have to wear like earrings with bells on them, right? So that every time I shake my head in disgust, like cowbell, so they go clank clank <laughs> clank clank. <laughs> so um, what I'm hoping, Dimitri, is if you can stick around, sure. And Bob, if you can stick around, should love um, to. Love to. Gonna, I gotta go. Gene, it's good knowing you. Take care. Um, and, of course, if we need to take a break at all any point for water or coffee, let me know. Sure. Um, to chase down the DWP guy? Yes, to, to, to if we need anybody else needs some auto mechanic uh, <laughs> suggestions. <laughs> um, we should hopefully have a few more drop-ins later, some surprises. Is that guests. an Atwater Samurai Auto? Yes. Samurai Auto, for all your auto needs, an Atwater Village, conveniently located next to the 5 Freeway. It is. Good work, hey, sir. Not bad. Um, you can look it up on the internet because I don't have any other information on it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm hoping I can kind of uh, transition this into a conversation about really what, what, what we've always covered on the show, um, what Gene and I are trying to do with this podcast as well, is just the, the real concept of the show is making a living in L.A., being creative – uh, plugging everything into everything you can do, throwing everything into the wall, whatever other similes and metaphors and idioms there. An onomatopoeia. That I can Bang. conjure up. Um, Bob, we were talking earlier about you going from Phoenix to L.A. Uh, well, we haven't gotten to the specifics from yet. Dimitri, you came from Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, you... A lot of the people that you're working with on Everything is Terrible are some Ohio folks We are as well. pretty much all Ohio people, yeah. Yeah. Are those Ohioans? Ohioans, exactly. Right. So, <laughs> if I may, where, where in Ohio are you from? Uh, I'm from Cleveland, actually. Yeah. I was born in East Liverpool. Really? Very nice. Yeah. Self-proclaimed ceramics capital of the world. <laughs> is it really? Salt of the earth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Isn't it funny how many people are from Ohio out here? I'm amazed by it. I like most people I run into are from Cleveland. It seems like it's well, insane. That's like me and the well Philly. That we we had this discussion. It's like I I didn't know anybody from Philly until like two years ago. Now everyone, now everyone like every third amazing. person is from Philly. It's amazing. Well, because you got to get the hell out of there. I think probably Philly, right. Cleveland, everyone's just dying to leave. And so, how I'd like to hear everybody's experiences as far as what drove you out of or drove you here, <laughs> drove you out of where you were, the decision process. And, and kind of the projects that helped you along with that. Um, Bob, I'm really curious as far as, I just remember you getting involved with Chunklet from Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point, I just, you were like, I think I'm going to LA. <laughs> yeah, it was a funny, it was a funny way that it kind of happened. Um, Luther Gooch, who just celebrated a birthday yesterday. Happy birthday. Works at Fox, he's a brilliant man, writer, editor. Also, that's producer. an awesome name, by the way. It was not the not, best not name. Like, people like I would. I'll say his name, and I'm, I'm a big fan of full names. Mm-hmm. Bob Schreiner. Um, I fucking love mine too. So <laughs> I was telling, I was like my friend Luther Gooch, and this girl goes, "That's the fucking best name ever." And I was like, "You don't even know the half of it." His first name is Dog, and it's spelled D-A-G. He's got like the three what? best names. Dog and Luther Gooch. He's pretty much of like the highest pedigree of Gooch's. So <laughs> Luther and I met through he working on, he is, uh, he was living at the time in Louisiana. Uh, of the Louisiana Gooch's? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Which is a good phylum. And he, he and I had worked together in a, a few different um, like chunklet video things. And, uh, which were usually these deals where we would show up at a festival, like a music festival, dressed as like railroad engineers, <laughs> telling bands we wanted to interview them for our, our railroad enthusiast magazine, the uh, Underground Railroad. 
and then <laughs> kind of jerk them around with these really like tense questions, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, let's all have crinkly, crunchy snacks on here. <laughs> That's perfect. Let's go ahead and do that. <laughs> I'm okay, then. Considering I, I never listen to the levels, and Brody let me listen to the levels, and I can literally hear every, like, <laughs> flap of my lips, every smack, every, like, nostril hair blowing in and out, and then he hands me a pretzel to eat. Bra fucking low. I'm sure Pro Tools has a pretzel filter. Right, this gotta be a... Just takes <laughs> that right out. I'll just, I'll just gum this like an old lady. Takes it right out. But anyways, to... Um, were these videos the first thing you were doing with Chunklet? Uh, no, I had written, I had written a bunch right. of stuff for Chunklet previously. And then Henry said, "Hey, well, what, what, the way it started is that Henry." Um, he did because I, from the way I remembered it, was it hadn't he gotten the audio of the Burger King call? He, it was a Wendy's, Wendy's, that I'm call, sorry. but Burger King's had been victim as well. Uh, that'll make sense in a minute. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's great. I think I know. We, I'm piecing this together. <laughs> Big fan. Oh, <laughs> thank you. I came in when you guys were talking about prank calls, and I was okay. So, that's great. Yeah, so awesome. Henry got those calls, <laughs> and, um, and which was by and large uh, due to the Johnny Appleseed like efforts of, of one John Schmerzel, who you may know from Brainiac and Enon, who um, was actually just staying at my house one like a week or so after they happened and edited them and took all the noise and crap out and uh, everywhere he went from the there it was like you've let me let me leave you this mini district recording so everywhere <laughs> he went and um which yeah, just brings me so much joy just knowing that that made it to so many people and never cost anything but it eventually made it to, to henry owings who does chocolate magazine and um it was sort of a funny story about how it happened a friend of mine was on tour with a band that i kind of hated um, and they had it on tour. It's like I was, I was kind of mad in a way. I was like, I don't want to be glad-handed by who the fuck. Like, who's giving? You know. I you don't want to say the name? Come on, let's hear it. Oh, the Locust. Oh yeah. I just, I just hate. I blame them exclusively for fashion denim, and and. I, <laughs> I remember I, I didn't like them on the basis that somebody told me they were the. I'm not kidding. Somebody said you got to see this band Locust. They're the Jimi Hendrix of our time. <laughs> And I was honestly like, what are you talking about? And then I saw them and I was like, Matt, what? Wait, am I getting, is, is this a different Jimi Hendrix? What are you right. talking about? It's J-I-M-M-Y Hendrix. <laughs> Jimi Hendrix were five guys from San Diego. Bam. I just want to say for the record, I had a very nice conversation with Pearson at a house party about Planet of the Apes, so he's okay in my book. I'm sure they're great guys. Oh, I have no, I have no, I wish no specific malice on any of them. Um, but as a band, it's one of those things that makes me feel like there should be, you know, a license to have guitars. I hear you. And um, and I want to be the body that that issues those licenses. So the it comes to me. The commissioner of guitars. My friend, Mike Gantz, is on tour with the Locust, and he's like, oh, King was, of Monsters. I, I woke yeah. up in in the van in like Michigan somewhere, and I heard and it was a weird thing. So I'm in this dream phase, and I hear you, and I hear these guys laughing. So I'm just like, what is going on? Why is Bob like you know like Kalamazoo to Grand Rapids? Why is Bob Schreiner here? And then he kind of woke up and was like, whoa, oh, okay, ties it all together. And he knew that I kind of disliked that band. So he's like, oh, it was pretty funny. You'll be happy to know that, that uh, feeling's not this mutual. band you hate is great. And it's like, and, you know, again, I have, no, I have no problem with those guys as people. And, you know, if they enjoy deep fried telephones in, in, in you know, I don't want to take that from anyone. Um, so, but it was, it kind of was like, 
find out like where the like who who gave who who how did this get to them? And so he asked. It was like. You know, it was like someone from this band, someone from, you know, this band and this label, and that came from Henry Owings, who I think probably hosted John Schmerzel at one point. So I just sent an email to Henry and was like, hey, I understand, like, something I did warranted you to, to make copies. So just wanted to say hello because I like what you do and, and have for a long time. And then he emailed me back and was like, oh my God, here's my number, call me. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing layout for the Mr. Show book right now, which is like a week past deadline. I'm not, I'm not eating, I'm not talking to anyone, but call me. <laughs> nice. And so I called him the next day. You know, I, tried to, I tried to like, you know, some kind of disguised voice lead in, but it was, it was no. It was like the Taj Mahal. It was a no flyover. Yeah. And um, so, you know, ended up talking for hours and and just and I think for a while, like probably talked to the guy every day. Um, a great friend and a great you know champion of his friend's work, that Henry Owings. Um, so you're the reason you're saying you're the reason why the Mr. Showbook was late. Um, <laughs> that in traffic. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't want to take all the credit. Okay, yeah. <laughs> humility is one of your starts. So yeah, so my, Luther moved here from from Louisiana. Um, and he kept sort of prodding me to, to move. He's like, dude, you have to move yeah. now. Like, we just, had, 06, right? we just had such a fun, we had such a blast all the times we had worked together. And like, and these festivals were a f- kind of a fucking nightmare because you're wearing like, you know, some fucked up costume that doesn't really like fit you and it's uncomfortable <laughs> and it's hot and you're wearing it for four days straight trying to like make someone in ISIS be funnier than you. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and 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 that's not their job. Oh yeah, right. you know that's Agreed. okay. Yeah, if they can't do it, so <laughs> you know, and it's easy for things to get on your nerves in those situations. Everybody's kind of like wants, you know, we we were so reliant on our ability to be funny in the moment that nothing was written or scripted. Like we've got these costumes, so what else do you need? <laughs> and with the you know, Luther was actually. Um, Talented enough, and I use the word talented, and it's it's not even uh, nearly as robust enough to describe his capabilities to make a story happen in editing. It's fucking remarkable. <laughs> so <laughs> Luther moves here, and it's like, dude, you have to move here. You have to move here. And uh, so I, I was just I drove out pretty often, and then one day a friend of mine, I was uh, I was sitting at this co- I was sitting at Lux in downtown Phoenix, mm-hmm. my favorite coffee house. And uh, I sent a text to my phone book that said, what's your fucking problem? Just a nice Sunday way. I just wanted to catch up with everyone. And um, and it's a nice try it sometimes. Because it's a nice just trickling through. Like Some people will apologize yeah. for having not been in touch. <laughs> some people will think you, you really feel they have a legitimate problem. And you right. will hear some things that you might not want to. But a friend of mine uh, who actually lived here was like, oh, my... Problems that my girlfriend just moved out when I was at work yesterday. No, no, nothing, just gone. Jesus. I was like, oh shit, sorry. <laughs> that is your fucking problem. But I'm gonna make it my problem because it's such a big fucking problem that, um, you know, maybe if we shared, it's not so bad. <laughs> so I was talking to my Paul, to my pet, my pal, Kevin Paul Sweet, for a while, and you know, he was he was deliberating this like, do I move? Do I not move? I have this huge apartment and it's really cheap because. Like someone I know has lived here continuously right, for right. like a decade, so basically it was like, 
it came down that was like $500 a month which was like more than I was paying to live in a guest house in Phoenix where people tried to break into it <laughs> I was like this is hmm. so I was like hey man do you so you're saying that for 500 a month I live in LA with you he's like yeah but when could you I mean that'd be awesome I'd love it if you could but I mean when could you he's like I'm going to go tomorrow. I'm going to go quit my job and I'll see you in two weeks. So, one stolen U Haul truck later. <laughs> there we are. You stole a U Haul? I didn't try to steal it. <laughs> and, I, and I just say that. You didn't you try know, to steal it, Your Honor. Theft occurs whenever, you know, whenever something, a service or, or, or right. uh, is paid for. Um, I tried to pay for it. Uh, but they just the guy was it was on it was online and they oh. when I put in my card they said we're just going to charge a dollar because I think the way that they have it set up is that yeah. the people who like people take the money at the place where you get it like they get the money and right. they pay into some kind of whatever the hell some nebulous racket you haul <laughs> um, but I went to this the, it's the craziest thing is you, you put in all this information you go through like 40 pages online of like do you want tape no how much tape do you want no Zero. so tapes no and eventually you go through all of that and they're like alright give us your credit card number it's like fuck finally thank god like take half of my money but just have a truck for me for the moment where I have to have nothing in my house anymore and move <laughs> Which I know so many people that got screwed over on. So I was like really apprehensive of the whole process. I'm like, do I do I just wake up and strap a gun to my hip this morning? Because I know I'm going to have to. <sighs> so I get to this. I get a call. The U-Haul process is they're going to call it an 800, like an automated number kind of thing. Calls you and just says, your truck is at. And that's an address. Yeah. It's like, how fucking confidence affirming is that? Yeah. And it's like the worst part of town. So I go. <laughs> And there's a gas station that looks like it's run by Deliverance cast members. <laughs> and not even Ned Beatty. The Hill people. And, the River Folk. And uh, no one knew how to handle the transaction. Like, everyone was kind of scared. This guy got on a computer that looked like you know, like a 386 and type, like, pulled up the U-Haul website and put in two characters in the logging field and then turned around and made, like, a, like a dog that had to go outside to shit. Like... <laughs> It's like, man, I don't know. I don't know. Man, I don't know. But I took, I'm took. i pretty sure I took everything online. And I just meant, like, my reservation. Of course, I'm intending to pay you. And it's like, you took... This. So there was this weird, um, like, anthem, like, chorus of, you know, like, I took everything. You took everything online. I took everything online. You took everything online? And so eventually he just handed me a key. I was like, wow, get the fuck out of here. So if everyone I know, like, this had these horrible U-Haul stories, getting overcharged or, like, renting something, you know, like, they rent a van and get there and they have to take a 57-foot truck because, <laughs> like, sorry. I end up getting, like, somehow, like, the, you know, the, the divine guardian angel of, of, of moving shines on me and my U-Haul not only is available, but the people there didn't know how to take my money. <laughs> So one of the first things I did when I went to LA was found a rather discreet place that I could drop it off and then <laughs> right, right, right. closed out the credit union account that I had in Arizona where the funds were <laughs> nice. ostensibly linked to. Sweet, that's your moving bonus. <laughs> you had to remove your move was coming. Yeah, that's the freelancer's okay, uh, moving <laughs> relocation expense. How long have you been in Los Angeles? I've only been here about three and a half years, actually. So not too long. 
But I love this place. This yeah. This is the promised land. It's amazing. <laughs> Even when it's terrible, it feels wonderful. I know. Exactly. I'm serious. Yeah. I, I've. It's... There's, there's nothing else like it. I don't think I can leave. I really don't think I can. I, isn't it? It's funny because I think everyone always thinks, at least from, <coughs> from you know the Cleveland side of things, everyone's like, oh, New York, that's the place to go. Like that's where you want to be. I, I, I like. I, I haven't spent a lot of time in Chicago, but I like New York and I like Los Angeles, I like San Francisco. Yeah. Um, haven't spent a lot of time in in Seattle. I've spent a little bit of time in Portland. I like Portland. I, I frankly. There's only a couple places in this country that are just shitholes that I would murder everyone in them with machetes and dump their bodies in a mass grave. Try, try living in Chicago for for a while. That'll make you do that. That's what yeah. I mean. but, that'll but, make you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but at least, but I mean, at least a lot of the folks that I know, comedians, you know, came out of the Chicago scene. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think I think to me the thing that that people beef about LA, oh, everyone's so fake and blah blah blah. I'm like, yeah. Sure, there's those people everywhere, and they may be more high profile here because being fake is one kind of the of ways accepted. to make. Well, sure. it's one of the ways you make a living in this town. Sure. There's, a, there's a wide, you know, river of fakeness, but there's also a lot of really funny, really smart people yeah. who are doing lots of really interesting things. So, you know, shove it up your ass, people. I think, think, it, I, I think it's just funny because everyone seems to have an opinion. Everyone, especially like you know, all my friends in Chicago and and, and people, out, you know, people out east. They all seem to say that too. Like, isn't everyone so fake? I think that everyone got their opinion of LA from Annie Hall, and it's never going to go away. And their opinion of New York is still from uh, that that period where it's like, oh, it's so magical, it's so beautiful. Right, right. You know, you can just right. live on Ludlow Street for twenty five dollars a month. It's like, have you been in New York? It's a Chipotle now. I do find it very funny that. Andy Warhol's factory literally is a Chipotle now. I love it. Wow. I love it. Well, they're making burritos there. <laughs> it is sort of it's a factory. Pop, it's pop art. <laughs> you know, in the future, everybody will have a burrito for 15 minutes. For 15 Everyone minutes. will digest a burrito for 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Because that stuff runs through me, dude. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so you, you guys were this collective of, of video folks, you know, in Well, yeah, Ohio. we didn't really start it out then. Like, we, 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 we all moved to Chicago because that was, right. like, kind of the next step. It was like, right. eh. New York's too expensive. L.A. was not at all in my radar at all. And it was like, let's just go to Chicago. A lot of our friends are there. Like, there's there's something their comedy scene was, you know, obviously there's something there. But I think I just kind of got really discouraged out there because it's mm-hmm. freezing cold all the time. Right. I was freelancing as an illustrator making no money, which I could live off of, which was great. I mean, I met a lot of really cool people, worked at a place like The Empty Bottle doing design for them, stuff like that. And that was really cool. But... uh it just gets to you. It just it's, yeah. it's just like as 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 many creative people are out there, there's no work for anyone. Mm-hmm. It's like so many comedians, so many artists, and some people can make a living at it, and that's amazing. But I was just like, I don't have the fight in me. Like I just don't have this in me at all. Yeah, this is too crazy. And then a job got offered to me out here, and I thought this is just this is perfect. I'm I'm just gonna be that guy and move to LA. And I did. I just hadn't. I knew nothing about LA at all. I pretty much knew. You know, everyone's a vegetarian, and uh, yeah. they wear the masks over the Only face really. and stuff like You're that. You're in a vegan home right but, now. Uh, am I really? Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> but, uh, but man, it's I just I had to fuck great. Meat before I came here, so <laughs> <laughs> I had to balance it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I ate three pieces of chicken. That's not a fucklet, I guess. No, it's not a fucklet. That's fine. <laughs> Bob, your favorite meat. Wow. I didn't, good, I didn't see question. that coming. Yeah. I'm, 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 I, I've since the Andy Wood episode. You're friends with Andy Wood, yes? Which one's Andy Wood? I'm terrible. Um, hosts the uh, Bridgetown Comedy Festival. No, actually, I just. He's friends with Andy WK? 
I think that I think the emails are starting. Okay. Uh, that, there you yes, go. yes. 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 Anyway, since this episode, I'm I'm um. That's I'm trying funny. out the Larry King rapid fire. Nice. Oh, oh also, the, also the, uh, the early onset senility. Yeah, <laughs> that too. You don't have to answer the question about fish. You can't. Yes, no, you always been thinking about it. He has an answer. You are obligated. <laughs> now, when you say meat, are you talking about animal or like cut of? Either or. Hmm. As a vegan, I'm uh, yeah, I don't think impartial to eat anything. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to know if this would be able to. I wanted to take accommodate you if there was a follow-up question from ah. there uh so i would say um you know if i had to pick an animal it would be it would i would go with the hog and uh god you can do so much with bacon bacon that's a good one <laughs> so you, you got the job and came out here uh and, uh, yeah i was doing i was doing um, this I'm, so i was working at a greeting card company drawing adorable things all day um <laughs> which was great i actually yeah. love that job it was you know the movie Five Hundred Days of Summer, Didn't which I've only seen part of. Okay, I see it annoyed you. Somebody me so bad. in the room is shaking. Yeah, her shaking her head. head. I could not get through that horrible, horrible movie, but I found it <laughs> hilarious that it was a guy working at a. Green. I heard there's like yeah. a scene where he like has a rant to all the like, people in the room. Like there's like some board meeting and he's like screaming at everyone. I want to get to that scene. I can't make it that far. Yeah, it's too terrible. But they're literally we'd literally have meetings like our company would spend. I think over like five years once they spent over a million dollars finding the science of what was cute <laughs> and it was literally like okay eyes being 50% bigger you know pupils being like 25% bigger is 35% cuter than something you know than a puppy dog without it I honestly loved it I honestly thought it was a non-stop like inside joke to me I just loved it I loved drawing ducks all day and whatever little uh, little kittens and blah blah blah. I just it was hysterical. <laughs> see, see, this is the thing that I noticed with everything is terrible and a lot of the clips and stuff that's on that's on the website. The earnestness. No, it's it. We genuinely of, are very. We really try to be very earnest. And and the and the and the, the the earnestness of the people in the clips, especially like the religious stuff. Yeah, it's I know just it's an like, easy. That's an easy one. I know, but it's but it's the stuff that gets the most attention, and yeah, I can yeah. see why. But it's just so like it's so. It's sincere. You can, you know, it's very sincere. It's crazy. It's totally crazy. But it's, yeah. it's really, you can tell they're invested in it. It's not somebody doing a parody for irony's sake or things like that. It's just yeah, so I think that's the problem is that I think like everyone thinks of it as like, oh, you guys must hate this stuff. Like you right. guys are, you know, it's like, and of course we get pulled into the whole like irony hipster, right, right, whatever. Right. I don't even know what that is really, but people keep, you know, bringing that up or not, not that often. But I think what I... I'm just always worried that people are. It's like, we're not bitter. We love this stuff. I don't yeah. watch stuff I don't like. Like, that's not fun to me. I really genuinely... I mean, there is certain things that some of us have thresholds for. Mm -hmm. The religious, like, puppet stuff, I really can't watch. It's just too horrendous. Like, I mean, I can, but I can't the sit there and edit it for... Yeah, like, I... The other guy, Commodore Gilgamesh, he, his tolerance. I'll see him, like, well, he lived with us for a few months out here. And just hearing him edit the same... <laughs> like some parrot, you know, talking about obeying God. It's like, personally, I can't stand that stuff. I like it in a two-minute chunk, but it's, like, yeah. good for you. Kind yeah. of my, my problem with all, a lot of that stuff is I just have that... I have the over, the hypertrophy entropy center entropy yeah, empathy center of my brain, and I just immediately seize up because I see somebody <laughs> doing something on horrible. Yeah. Like, Holy shit! You have no idea what kind of a fucking idiot you look like. Yeah. You know, and I thought that is part of it. Like, I mean, that is true. They are calling a lot of these guys out who like are so crazy, right, invested right. all this time and money right. into something just completely ridiculous, right, like, right, right, whatever. But it's also just like. 
you did it. Like, we're gonna, yeah, 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 I know. It's out it. Like, we're sure. not going to, you know, and part of it, part of the fun, of course, is re-editing them and, you know, making it into something else. I think one of the ones we did was this thing called Paul's Backyard. And it's a super weird, just like, I don't know if you've seen it. It's like this kid, it's just this guy. He's like, he looks just like a gym teacher. He looks like a nice guy. But he's doing this, he's trying way too hard to do this kid show. Mm-hmm. And we edited it, uh, again, Commodore edited it together to make this thing where it's just, basically he's all, got all this cream all over his face and he keeps saying the word come with me or phrase come with me but he keeps <laughs> cutting it to like come 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 it's ha ha it's ridiculous you know yeah. that that's more of the bitter uh, uh, one of the bitter pieces <laughs> where it's a little mean but he f- somehow found my number through blogger like you know you can find sure. people's information he calls my parents house in Cleveland just like where is this guy you have no morals. You should be ashamed of yourselves. <laughs> it's like, yeah, fair enough. But actually, most, most people, I think, are more... Uh, I, I'm actually amazed at how many people don't get mad. Like, they do find us, and they're like, hey, that, that was pretty funny. Like, good work. But, uh, yeah, one's like that. Understandable. You can... Yeah. You can <laughs> right, right. I don't would think you, we're going to be that guy's friends. Yeah. Would you consider let, letting that guy do, like, a video response? Oh, like, totally. Like, like, I, that's what we love to do, is, like, a lot of the stuff that we've been doing lately is to prove how much we love this stuff and the dedication that we will put into it. Like, one of my favorite movies of all time is this movie called Deadly Prey. And it, it, we made a cut of it called The, the World's Most Action-Packed Action Movie. I made a few, like a year and a half ago. <laughs> and it's just, every 10 seconds, there's an amazing fight scene. Every, it's just like this homoerotic ballet. Starring Troy Donahue, right? uh, Troy Donahue is one of the stars. Yeah. Yes, yes, interestingly enough. Um... <laughs> And so we, we loved it, whatever. Like, we made the cut. It did really well online. It's got, like, half a million hits. And so we wanted to do a screening of it at the Cine Family. Uh, and so we, we, we... Of the actual film. Of the actual film. Right. So, and it's never been available on DVD, not even available on a film. There's no print of it. Oh, really? Yeah. There's okay. no... There's nothing. It's just VHS only. So we're, we were happy to do. So we brought it up. We ran it off of VHS. We ran it off of VHS. We're proud of the fact we put it on stage. Which people love. I think that's what's been great is these VHS only screenings we've started have been great. And... We brought the star, Ted Pryor, who lives in the Valley, and he kept saying, I, I was talking to him on the phone, and he was like, there's got to be like 10 people there, right? And I was like, I don't think so. I think people really like this movie. Like, they get it. They really like it. He sees a line going out the door, sold-out show. He thought, even then, he was with his 8-year-old son. He's just like, oh, they're... They're sheer for something else. There's another movie. It's a, they play silent movies. They play silent movies. Come on. <laughs> it must be a They're here for the fatty Arbuckle store. Comedy cavalcade or something. <laughs> uh, and then he, he he sits front row. He, we, we present him on. He rips our arms off. We have these prosthetic arms because in film you should see it. He scalps a dude and rips his arm off and beats him to death with it. And uh, I mean the look on his face was just like beautiful. Like he was just, again, with his eight-year-old son just like crying with laughter. The audience was going crazy. And it was like such a big deal to him and I think just having people sign autographs like he never you know he's still an actor but he's never had that kind of attention I don't think before also a former Playgirl playmate which is hilarious and he's like the nicest guy so we are trying to right now work on a sequel yes The Deadliest Prey The Deadliest Prey I think it should be Deadlier Prey to save it for the trilogy Deadliest but still we are raising money right now on Kickstarter. There's like a month to go. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Uh, right now, about 2800 raised. It's not bad. Of the $150,000. 150000 It's not, you know, it's half, that halfway a, there. That is a fraction. That is a non-zero fraction. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing comes up, actually. It's like this little, tiny, like, <laughs> blip on a, on a graph. But uh, I don't really want to have much to do with it after that. I just want to sort of 
help spread the word because right. it's like I don't want this to be some like wink to the camera thing. He knows that. Right. It's like he keeps saying like, "Do you want this to be a comedy?" It's like I don't want this to be anything. You just I just want to help you make this movie. Right. Make it whatever you want. Like don't don't yeah. think of that as something like of how we're gonna how we're gonna deal with this later. Make the movies you and your brother David Pryor always make these like crazy B movies. I think the one they just did was with Frank Stallone as a special appearance. Night Claws, it's called. It's about like some Bigfoot. It looks great. And it's like, keep making those movies. Like, keep making them. I don't want to yeah. get involved. Like, I don't want to sort of taint it. Taint what you do. We're also showing one of his other films, Sledgehammer. Yes. And everything is yes, possible. at the festival. It is the first, arguably the first shot on video horror movie. It is the weirdest thing you guys That's have to awesome. see. It. it is so bizarre. It's like a bunch of 19-year-old kids in Venice. I think it's like 1980 or something like that. It's amazing. That's it's like this cool. trippy, weird, beautiful thing. I, I love it. Oh, I can't. 1980s video, man. Shot on video. <laughs> That's yeah. the wow. project I just worked on. Well, actually, we filmed it a year ago. Shot it on tape. Um, well of the Beast. Well of the Beast? Yeah. Um, it's a acid western, but Ooh. cowboys, not cowboys, poets. And not the Wild West, but South America. I love this. Yeah, and it's all on video. Really? Yeah. Is it, is it modern or a period piece? I don't think I've ever asked you that. It's modern. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And this has been made? Like, this is out? It's, it's no, it's, it's, it's in the can. It's, it's, in the can. It's, it's in the can. It's being, uh, I've seen, I've seen a first cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Perhaps we will make a... The typical <laughs> horror movie, it, it, it's, I know it's sort of, you know, meant to, to affirm notions of virtue by killing the horse. Um, but some yeah. of the things you've mentioned in this theme here is this to, you know, is will will people who are less literate or people who are because there's a well involved with this? It's it's definitely a people who don't conserve like. A, <laughs> <laughs> it's, who gets the sheaf here? Yeah, well, it's the, the the premise is uh, three poets want to declare war on society, so they go to uh, South America to write their manifesto. Poets are want to do. Yep, and um, <laughs> they uh, begin to make contacts and assemble an army and arsenal but there's some other more demonic agendas that pop up it's very uh, influenced by it's like part Jodorowsky part you know some of those just conventional like spaghetti western kind sure. of you know things you know there's it, there's a lot of literary and old film illusions in it sounds um, amazing yeah it's really fun as as, especially as far as horror movies go that's yeah. you don't usually hear poets in the name yeah, for, for, yeah. or Jodorowsky at all <laughs> we are also working on a Jodorowsky remake right now we that's are working awesome. on a that this is our um, uh, so so Commodore and I are breaking off for the year mm-hmm. and while we again while we've got this time off we are making a remake of the Holy Mountain. Nice. Which if you guys have not seen, I don't know if you have, obviously you're a fan. Yeah, but yeah. We are remaking the Holy Mountain entirely out of dog movies, out of found dog films. Disney, <laughs> Airbud, Benji. Oh, Jesus. We've got about six, seven hundred tapes that we've digitized right now. We're going through it. It is going to be. It is going to murder me. I think I might die honestly. <laughs> but we are going to remake that that wonderful, wonderful film. So yeah, That's yeah. Wonderful. There's, what's the is called Everything is Terrible Presents Doggy Woggies Poochie Woochie. <laughs> <laughs> nice. oh, oh, Christ. Something you said remind me um, of Bob. There's a. Man, maybe we were just talking about cringe, cringiness in general. <laughs> sure, cringiness. Um, so I, hopefully this isn't too abrupt of a, a segue, but something. You know what it was? About the fact you know, you've interviewed you know, these people mm-hmm. and, and worked with them. Um, Bob, I was wondering if you could talk about really briefly 
you, you did mention trying to make people in ISIS funny or things like that. <laughs> One of your most famous interviews was, I believe, with members of the band Drowning Pool shortly after their <laughs> singer had been found dead. <laughs> I was, I think like a year or so had passed. Um, the, the, I have no real recollection of the chronology. Um, my friend Brian McManus, who used to be in the Fatal Flying Guillotines, and now it lives in Philadelphia with this beautiful wife and writes for the Weekly. Um, was one of the editors and was just occasionally. Um, I would just have like some you know, errant or irreverent uh, like Facebook status posting, and he would be like, "Can you make this an article?" <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Uh, those checks are always welcome, uh, and it is always great when you can just you know make some. Random, you know, farty little quip into hundred dollars. <laughs> wow, thanks, money and feral adolescent brain. So Brian just calls me up. He's like, "Hey, man, do you? Um, we're getting bombarded with those. You know, it's like festival season, and all these things are coming to town. And we just have this like, there's some like metal band fest, and we keep getting hit with all these publicists." wanting to interview this band, this band, this band. I'm like, do you want to interview them? Do you want to take a stab at something? It's like, and you know, you're not really sure because sometimes your friends are like, well, you know, your friends have like real jobs and incredible media things. And you're like, well, I'm gonna come with muddy shoes and just make dick holes in the wall. So is that okay? <laughs> they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's sure. kind of what, that's kind of yeah. Like I will end every sentence with do 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 so yeah, just like no, I kind of told my I kind of told my boss like that's you know what you will do. I was like, yeah. oh, okay, you're good. I don't know what the fuck I would ask this band if I wanted people to like them. So it seemed like it wasn't really going to happen, and then I get a call about an hour before. I was like, hey, can you still do this? Like, yeah, uh, I'm going to say yes and figure it out. <laughs> so I go and mind you like saying yes and figuring it out means like I don't have a mic <laughs> <laughs> so I got all my roommate yeah. so yeah so fortunately we get set up quickly and I've got about you know the, this publicist calls me like alright I'm gonna have so and so call you so I know nothing about this band. I don't know what I'm gonna ask them I, thankfully I go to Wikipedia and just just take a quick scan and um, one of the things, you know, I saw that their singer had died. And um, I also saw, you know, because Wikipedia does that great thing where it's like, if something sounds like something, or, you know, if you, then they, there's, a, there's a link. Right. So it's like, you know, which in some instances is very helpful and some so fucking irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there was, uh, Paul Newman did a movie called Drowning Pool. And um, so I fashioned that into a question. Um, you know, it was like in the in the. So of course, I you know, clicked the link, got the IMDb synopsis. <laughs> so you know, so it was like in the 1972 uh, crime thriller *Drowning Pool*, starring Paul Newman. He plays this private investigator who's in, looking into a blackmail scheme involving a promiscuous daughter of an old flame. <laughs> it's a labored setup, but I tried to make it as succinct as possible and said. What did, now, aside from, you know, basically, what do you, you know, aside from the fact that your first singer and Paul Newman are dead, what other similarities do you see with that band and your, you know, that movie and your band? And tip of the fucking hat to that guy, because without missing a beat, he says, 
Well, we're both from Louisiana. Two of the guys in my band are from Louisiana. And we both really love that salad dressing. <laughs> wow. Fucking so, sweet, man. That's about I became a, home run. a huge Drowning Pool fan at that moment, which doesn't mean I've heard, I still haven't heard them. <laughs> well, you know there's big single but, though, right? But I'm like, uh, I want them to, you know, I wish them well. You wish them well. Yeah, I know that single. Yeah, of so of course. course I've, yeah, of course. That's been, and uh, I, I had asked them, there was a question where it's like, you know, in the, so that was my opener. It was like, it's like, you know, in the, and you know, after 9-11, your song was sort of taken off the air because it felt, radio stations felt it may have been insensitive to have the song about bodies hitting the floor. Yes. Sure. So, you know, in, in sort of in response to that, how do you, how do you, you know, censorship, yada, yada. And it was a very canned response because it's like, that's the one question yes, there. Sure. Everyone's asked that. Exactly. And like, how is it recording a record? <laughs> so you boys. So, so they quickly segued that into, like, do you think you'll ever have a song as a tribute to all the fallen 9-11 business machines? <laughs> <laughs> Which was sort of the first, like, indication that we were going off-road. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, That's the, uh, those are the, the, the stay awake bumps on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> and from there, it just got more. <laughs> a little, sure. little more <laughs> out of the shoulder than into the cutscene. Yeah. I had asked him how to, if, if I had a deaf friend... How would I convey what it's like? How to be a like? How is drowning pool meaningful? How would I convey that to my deaf friend through food? (laughs) And it took. We edited. I swear, about twenty minutes of like uh, (laughs) through food. Like yeah, because he's he's deaf. So I'm just gonna cook for him. I, I love your band. I love it. I love your band, and I just want him to know what it's like. Because you're clearly he's you know writing down on a pad like why do you like this band <laughs> and I'm like well oh. I want to make you a dinner and show you so eventually he settled on lasagna and Bud Light that is inaccurate so <laughs> very inaccurate I'm I'm not sure which which lasagna Arby, I think Arby's would which be a good lasagna uh, it is like, yeah. um, wait wait Arby's so like an Arby's beef and cheddar or a plain Arby's yeah the pairing or a, like is a very super. I think it would be more of an Arby's grease trap. Yeah, I would, uh, yeah, I'm thinking uh, that Arby's grease trap with cool. the Bud Light though. Still the Bud Light. Yeah, oh yeah, you got to keep the drinks. <laughs> cool school of everythingistherrible.com. Yes. Most awkward food pairing that you've heard of. Go. Most awkward food pairing that I've heard of. We are actually speaking of everything. You know, speaking of, of, of events. Back to everything. It's useful not to bring it back, but this is something we're doing. Uh, these girls are coming. The drink girls, they're called. They are making us a drink for the food party show. This is what they do, by the way. They mm. make these crazy drinks. Um, the McNugget Teeny. <laughs> it is a uh, martini. I don't remember what's in it. It's a chocolate milkshake and vodka and then a barbecue sauce rim, rim with, with a, a, McNugget with a little garnish. McNugget for a garnish. They have one with ham, but I don't yeah, remember what the other one is. There's one with ham. I but I can't, we're, we're, I can't wait to try it. This is going to be fascinating because that was the most disgusting food pairing I've heard in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. But there's got to be something to it. Yeah. Well, I would try it. it's, I mean, it's like having a chocolate shake and a McNugget. Yeah. But there had but the to rim, be. the barbecue sauce rim what is what dip gets the me. McNugget? I know. It just seems. Well, think of, it, think of it this way you have your McNugget, you dip it in barbecue sauce, take a bite, take a swig of chocolate. chocolate. See, I, I'm with you, but there's when you combine food together on one. Agreed, agreed. I, but, I, but I think that's I think that's way that's like way closer to something that would actually happen. Than sure. A lot of it's not inedible weirdness. You know? yeah, yes. yeah, 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 it's not. It might be unpalatable. Right. <laughs> this is what I say when I make dinner at home. <laughs> this is not inedible. 
it may be unpalatable. Right. <laughs> it's not an edible. We're just getting started with this end of year one, beginning of year two birthday anniversary celebration. Next week, part two of this episode with more from Sookie from Cinefamily, Ghoul School from Everything is Terrible, and Bob Schreiner, comedian and prankster extraordinaire. On behalf of Gene George uh, and myself, I want to thank you listeners for supporting us through the first year of the podcast and encourage you to keep on listening as we go into year two. We have a lot of great ideas that we would like to execute and we will definitely need your help with those. More on that as things develop. Until next week, stay shaky.